Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz. Yes. We've had two weeks off from our podcast. I really missed you. I missed you too. I'm sure our listener missed us too. I like how you say pl- singular. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it's at least me when I edit it. So there's one. <laughs> so that, so there's that. Um, I don't want to boast. You know, I want to. I want us to stay humble here at Happy Hour. We don't even have someone from Media Matters monitoring this podcast yet, but someday. <laughs> What are we doing wrong? We're not at that level. Um, so since we've had such a long hiatus, I wanted to start off, as always, with some really good news. So are you ready? I'm ready. Dr. Anthony Fauci apparently had some kind of throat surgery. Well, it's like a polyp off of your vocal cords. Very common. Um, which you could tell when he talked, aside from all of his other grading habits like trying to shut down the country <laughs> was his voice that I always was like <clears throat> <clears throat> clear yeah. voice. I did that and too. It, it, it's like what's in there? So apparently it was a polyp. It's removed. The good news is that he won't be able to talk apparently for quite some time. Like how much time? How much Let's time do we buy us? November. <laughs> Can we buy us? November fifth. Oh, well, we wish him a speedy, we do wish him a speedy recovery. I'm a little disappointed that the surgery wasn't like removing his tyrannical impulses, but you know, I wish him a speedy recovery. I hope that there was enough PPE in, you know, for the hospital where he was operated on. They probably set PPE aside for the VIPs in case they need a medical procedure and let the dirty, the great casual filthy casuals you know they can use like dirty scalpels and paper towels for sanitary reasons but do you think he wore that disgusting it it must just be rancid washington nationals oh my god homemade mask you know that would be a really interesting story is to randomly (laughs) ask people that have not disposable masks but like fabric masks and just be like hey can i just like take a swab you know, off your mask and then like grow it in a culture, <laughs> and then, you, you know, and then, and then find what's in it because you know that oh. people are not washing really, you would probably need to wash it every, after every, um, use. Right. And I mean, especially the left people who are super sensitive to things that are disposable. Like I just, I mean, I do have to wear masks. We're not allowed to go anywhere without them. And I do need to go to like in the bank or to the grocery store. I think those are the only places I'm allowed to go anyway. But I have disposable masks. So, you know, in like three months, we're going to get long think pieces from The Guardian about all the disposable masks that are choking seals and mm-hmm. baby seals and walruses. <laughs> but to the left. Polar bears. Polar bears. The left who, you know, buy like pink pussy colored resist masks from Etsy, you know, that aren't disposable. How filthy are those? You know, they're not washing them because they want to they want to save water, too. Right. So, you know, what, what what are we talking? What's growing in your mask? Let's just take a black light to those things and see Ugh. what comes up. Right. So gross. I'm sorry, but. Ew. So anyway, yes, I, you know, I posted on Twitter. I was like, yes, Anthony Fauci can't talk for a while. And some people were like, you know, he just had surgery. I'm like, you know what? 
number one, he's fine. Number two, go talk to the tens of thousands of people who couldn't sit with their children while they got chemo or had to let their loved ones die alone in hospital because of Fauci, Redfield, and Burks's insane policies for coronavirus. So I'm sure he was in good hands. I'm sure whoever he wanted around him could be there. You know, I'm sure he is getting you know, gold star treatment. Yes. So he's, no he's fine. It's a polyp grow up. No doubt. Um, yes. So let's talk about the big story or rather the not so big story, which is this really pathetic telethon that is the Democrat National Convention right now, which is being held basically in a Zoom window. <laughs> so because it's too dangerous for people to come together unless they're rioting or at a funeral for a civil rights issue, uh, they Democrats and the Republicans are holding virtual conventions and the Democrats, this is, I guess, the last night. When is Mitt Romney speaking? Do you know? I think Mitt Romney and Ben Sass are scheduled. To, He's scheduled uh, after Biden. After <laughs> no, Biden. I think they're going to introduce Biden. I oh think my God. that's the plan. <laughs> so, God. yeah, we've had this really just a freak show of people coming through the DNC, talking. Some are given more uh, room to talk than others, like... I guess AOC was given only 60 seconds. Other people like Mooch Obama seem to go on for an eternity. And all I know is that viewership is really down from the past. So. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I don't know how much you're watching it because I know you very little get up super well, early. Play. No, I can't. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I'm not. I'm, I don't have the Constitution to watch it. Like, I can't. It's funny that I use the word Constitution talking about the Democrats. <gasps> but yeah, I do not. I, I don't watch it. I, I look at clips the next day. I there's no way I could sit and listen to those people talk without just. I don't know. Just losing. I can't. How about you? What are you watching? So I watch it, but I need some medication in the form <laughs> of Chardonnay. Or maybe something even a little stronger. I think I switched to red last night when Obama. English shots, you can't take it anymore. (laughs) Well, you know, it's for the long haul. So I have to have like a a good bottle or five to help me nurse through the the pain. But um, so Liz, this production is a freak show. Um, The people who are speaking, not... (laughs) The least of which was, this is not, I mean, think about this. Elizabeth Warren participated in a, a virtual conference on Native American. I know, Native American. It was, it was not just a virtual conference. It was on virtual Native Americans since she's not. <laughs> right. I mean, I saw that. I thought it was a Photoshop because it was on Twitter, right? Someone was sending around the screen cap of her with that banner underneath. It said Elizabeth Warren, Native American. I was like, shut up. Right. Didn't didn't you think it was a Photoshop? I did. And then apparently they had to turn off the comments for the tweets because people were like, you have WTF. Like, you have to be kidding. Like, you're not an Indian. Why is this lady here? (laughs) But here she is. 
I mean, this is a butt. She's a butt of a joke on this. But here she is talking like, you know, she is squaw. <laughs> squaw Warren. Yeah. Focahannis. Focahannis, right? They have oh. no shame. No right. shame. And right. neither does she. Because remember, she was sort of forced to apologize for yeah. lying, I guess, uh, and climbing up a ladder over people by pretending that she was an Indian. And, but apparently that's over now, you know, like that it's expired, I guess those claims. So she's just free to go back to pretending she's a native American. You know, it must be so nice to be a Democrat because you can do and say the craziest shit and everyone just forgives you. Like, it's completely memory hold. You're back to being a celebrity. It's it must be so nice. We don't do that, of course, on this side, as you know, we even see this week. If you are not, you know, I guess it's okay for years to pretend that Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin were in cahoots to sway the outcome of the 2016 election. We can all pretend that that was real. And the people who said that it was real and there was evidence, of course, there wasn't. But OK, you know, so what? Adam Schiff still, you know, rakes in millions of dollars, gets to give a big speech at the virtual convention. Um, it's just it must be nice to be a Democrat. No, I agree. There's they're not held to any standards at all. And there's no accountability. So, you know, Elizabeth Warren is an Indian now. What other moments did you have you enjoyed? Like what are what would you say your some of your favorites are? I have to say, I think the musical oh. <laughs> choices have really been um outstanding. Okay. So they they <laughs> they kicked off. They kicked off Monday night with this insane video of a guy named, what's his name? Billy Porter, who I've never heard of, but I've seen him because I saw Kinky Boots several years ago. And apparently he's he was the star in Kinky Boots. Um, so he and Stephen Stills, Crosby, Stills and Nash, mm-hmm. he, that guy's still alive, but barely. He was I was going to say that's wow. OK, how are any of them still alive? Isn't David Crosby still alive, too? I don't know. I think he's had several liver transplants, right? Yeah, you're right. He has to have had something. So here is Billy Porter, this flamboyant, you know, black gay man. He had some kind of pirate shirt and like a cape going on. And uh, Stephen Stills is playing the guitar. They're playing the song. Um, what's the name of it? Stills wrote it for what it's worth. 1966, which was like a Vietnam era protest song. Um, it was so freaky. It was widely, you know, panned for it. But uh, it just shows what the Democratic Party is. They're just out of right touch. Now. They're out of touch because at the RNC, which is next week. I'm sure the entertainment's going to be Lee Greenwood singing proud to be an American or something or like, you yeah. know, God bless America or some some like high school choir or something, you know, singing yeah. the, the, the Spar Spangled Banner. But but over at the Democrats, um, I think some of the networks I had read that they cut away, like, in other words, you had to be watching online to get that bonus and not it's like CNN didn't didn't air that. They so. saw that coming and they were like, uh, cut, uh, cut, yep. go to Absolutely. commercial. 
they didn't want to waste any time puffing up the uh, stellar political performances they had seen by being forced to watch some eccentric fellow dancing and twerking or whatever was being done. I did not see it. I did hear about it, though. He was was spinning. I'll, I'll say he was twirling. That's twirling. probably better. Okay. He was twirling with, in, you know, all these weird, of course, Black Lives Matter images behind him. And um, why did they then, even do that? But why would you even do that? Like if you're it's a political convention, you're there. Get the speeches out. Thanks so much. Have a nice night. Goodbye. You, who's going to tune in and be like, I hope I can get to see some good entertainment this year. Who says that? Well, you know, you these are socially. Um, I'm not going to. How do you say it? These are outcasts. Okay. These people are, they think that they're hip because they're not Trump Republicans. But when you watched kind of the nominating people from the states, these are really oddballs. I mean, they're, they're weird. They're weird people. They're not people you would certainly hang out with. But watching it last night, I'm thinking, how is this going to get Obama voters in the 206 pivot counties that voted twice for Obama and once for Trump? And tw- how does this get those voters in the heartland to vote for Joe Biden? It it's such a turnoff on so many levels. Um, well, do and you then, think that those well, well, but if you think about it, who are the people watching the DNC? Like who will be the people watching the RNC? They're, they're probably not highly political. They probably don't even know that it's happening because they're not super politically engaged, although it is kind of hard to get away from it. But they're, but I don't know, are the people watching the DNC the ones that they're trying to move over into their camp or are they already on board? You know, it's kind of, I feel like if you put the DNC on, you know what you're going to get and you're going to get a twirling gay black man <laughs> for entertainment you know what I mean like maybe they do like it maybe that's I I, I don't know I, I maybe I'm wrong I just feel like that's not I don't know it's are you gonna get like the auto workers in Detroit that left Trump are they the ones right. watching the DNC I'm gonna say I don't think so no and then last night's entertainment was even better a parent some woman I've never heard of um but has green hair, kind of green, green on the top. And then she had some kind of t-shirt that apparently she slept in, Mm -hmm. um, giving, (laughs) giving another performance. And so, um, but here's the thing, Liz, you know, the Republicans just have to put together a reel of snippets of this freak show and just start blasting them in these Minnesota, Iowa, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania districts and be like, here's your here's your party. Don't you think that that is a really good description of just like the last four months? Like they don't have to produce a commercial. They just need to edit footage together of stuff that's happened in the last four months. Mostly the rioting and um the violence and the attempted murders and um, things like that. But so I guess you could just add, add that up and say, here's what you missed in case you missed it. Cause every morning when I'm going through the news, I see the top five takeaways from the DNC on Tuesday and, you know, gives me a rundown. It doesn't include the entertainment and I'm sure there's a reason for that. 
Right. There definitely was, because even Democrats were making fun of the, you know, the blue check Dems on Twitter were making fun of it. So um, but aside from that, so a few other highlights. AOC had less time than um, former Ohio Republican Governor John Kasich, who also gave some kind of weird address. He was like standing he was a, like he, a fork in the road. He looked like he let he got he got he got loose from his memory care center and he was like in a field. Right. Like because he wasn't he wasn't dressed up in like flannel and jeans or something. It's like he had a suit and he was just in the middle of this empty field. Like, what was that? Did you ever see the movie Castaway with Tom yeah. Hanks? Remember yeah. at the end, like, <laughs> there's a fork in the road and he, like, takes off with his volleyball friend. Well, the volleyball friend was gone. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of what it was. But that AOC. Was so strange. Okay, anyway, go to AOC now. I didn't watch her, of course. Um, AOC gave a brief 60-second uh, uh, speech where she laid out all their radical uh, agenda and then nominated Bernie Sanders. So that was fun. That's fantastic. That sounds great. Now I wish I watched. No, I don't. I can't even take 60 seconds of her. Um, that was, and who was the big mooch? Wasn't that the night Michelle gave her America's the worst place in the world ever? She did. And she gave it from her $14 million, 30 acre uh, estate in Martha's Vineyard. So I could see why she's so unhappy and bitter. Don't you feel like since they've left office where they lived a very lavish life in the White House that she's been victimized by systemic racism? I mean, maybe that's what's depressing her. She just I seems mean, so sad. This is a terrible country where a, the daughter of a Chicago water department, public works, a public employee raised on the south side of Chicago can then suddenly get a $65 million book deal and a sprawling mansion in both Washington, D.C. and Martha's Vineyard. This, I mean, I, I get it. Systemic racism. Julie, if she were white, she would have so much more, though. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> really? Maybe That's her Martha's Vineyard estate would be $20 million instead of 14. I watched some of her speech and I just thought these people are, I, I don't know if they believe what they say, that it's so bad, like how bad it is. I mean, Obama was in office for eight years right? and I guess everything was great for eight years. And then suddenly it just, it's just back to, to pre Obama like Jim Crow South or whatever. Dystopia, right? <laughs> right. Like that, that, that's what, that's what happened so quickly. Um, I don't, do you think that this America's the worst place in the world message is, is like welcoming to people that are sort of not decided on a presidential candidate yet? Um, what's weird is, you know, we talk about this, that Yes, our country, a lot of us feel that our country is at stake, um, that, you know, the future is really jeopardized, but not because of Donald Trump, because of what people like the Obamas. Because of Michelle their, Obama. <laughs> because of her, right? Because of their divisiveness, their rhetoric, their plans to dismantle our history and our future. I mean, Obama is the one who said I he wanted to fundamentally what? 
rest- transform, transform, transform the country. He's not I was, kidding. I don't feel bad for her. I was depressed for eight years. That's right. I mean, is she more depressed than me? I doubt it. And she's making millions of dollars. She, they have that Netflix deal. They got all this money for their book. They have fancy houses. They're the only able-bodied. He, Obama's the only able-bodied president who didn't go, didn't hightail out of D.C. as soon as he was done, like all the other ones. Even Bill Clinton, who I guess he relocated to the Petto Island and Hillary went to Chappaqua, <laughs> but you know, the, even the Clintons left. Right. And they, right. well, they may have left because they stole shit from the white house on their way out. Remember that? That's right. They, they got did. busted. They were like taking sofas, silverware and all that kind of stuff. But so Michelle gave a very dreary, dreary speech. And then yesterday was the great Barack Obama mm-hmm. who, Gave a vicious, as we expected, right? I mean, Trump rips on him. And also Trump is undone a lot of the garbage that Obama did. And that's that's, right. that's fantastic. So, you know, he's left the Obama legacy in absolute tatters. And the recent deal with Israel and the United Arab Emirates is also another kick in the face to Obama, who was hellbent on empowering Iran to control the Middle East. Right. Um, so I would say Obama has, maybe they do have a reason to be depressed, Julie, that that all their hard work is done. But I want to point out um, something about Obama's speech, which is that he delivered it in Philadelphia in front of a giant constitution. He was at, I think it was like the Museum of the Constitution, which was signed and drafted and signed in pencil in, in Philadelphia. And I thought, well, this is interesting because these are people who hate the Constitution. All mm-hmm. we ever hear from them is like how they're going to get rid of critical parts of the Constitution, right? They wanted they don't like the First Amendment. They don't like the Second Amendment. They don't like the Fourth Amendment, right? Because they don't think anyone should have privacy, right? Um, like Carter Page or whatever. They don't right. want you to have freedom or liberty or or happiness, right? So. Right. They want to get rid of the Electoral College. So I thought it was interesting that that's where he would choose to be when he obviously does not is not a fan of the the guidance of our Constitution. But this is their shtick. Right. And we've seen this, especially following Russiagate, Obamagate, Gate, is this false uh premise that they give Jim Comey, John Brennan, Andrew McCabe, you name it, about the rule of law and constitutional norms and, you know, what Trump is doing to desecrate those boundaries and et cetera. They always talk in those lofty terms as they are completely denigrating exactly what they're talking about. They've violated every constitutional norm, every boundary between the three branches of government. They've flouted with impunity the rule of law. It's a joke. And so here's Obama. You're exactly right. What, all the slave owners and people who helped author um, the Constitution and, you know, the Declaration, all of our founding fathers who they want to take down these statues of even George Washington, um, now, all of a sudden, we're supposed to believe that this is what you care about, you cherish. We know that you don't. Well, well, what I just want to know affirmatively what parts of the Constitution that they do like. 
um, one of the statements Obama made in his speech was he said something like the Constitution is our damaged North Star, you know, like obviously it was written by women hating slaveholders. um, So but it was our North Star. It's just like it's so cosmetic, right? They 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 wave the American flag while they're telling you they want to burn it down. And mm-hmm. and because we live in a culture that's so visually oriented that they believe people will lap that lap that up. So Obama spoke. I didn't I read I skimmed over it. I can't cuz when I read it, I hear his voice and mm-hmm. I find that just really triggering to me I need a safe space so I was like I can't even really read too much of this but afterwards what's her name the cop the VP cop uh Kamala um Kamala isn't it Kamala Kamala Kamala? my husband was trying to explain it last night so I would be ingrained of course I want to say it the wrong way because that triggers people isn't it like comma like a comma yeah like punctuation Kamala, Kamala, whatever, um, that I'll just call her the cop, um, Kamala, the cop, whoops, I just said her name again, wrong, probably, um, she spoke, I didn't even read what she said, and I didn't hear it, I, I did see some of the, uh, prestige Twitter crowd ooing and aahing about Mm -hmm. how, um, you know, important and, historical it was I guess that a woman had been nominated for vice president even though Sarah Palin and Geraldine Farrow had already also been nominated but whatever um I I just did not the big question is this is the last night and this is when basement Joe Biden is going to I don't know if he's going to leave his basement do we know where he's going to deliver it I'm already nervous like I'm already I'm already panicked for the Bidens, how this is going to turn out. Will Jill be there propping him up? Mrs. I'm sorry, Dr. Biden. Will she be there propping him up? Where I wonder where it's going to be. Like, like, I think he'd be in front of a green screen, but and pretending to be somewhere else. Well, isn't he, isn't he supposed to be in Milwaukee? But he's not. I don't think he's in Milwaukee. Um, by the way, let's talk about uh, real quickly, Jill Biden, Dr. Biden's um, the next speech. surgeon general. Yes, right. According to the View, the ladies on the View wanted to be the next surgeon general because she's a legit doctor, right? Because she's a teacher, so that makes sense. <laughs> because she's a anyway. Um, so people were swooning over her too. I find it so distasteful, and we're going to hear this again from Joe Biden tonight how they use the tragic deaths of his first wife, baby daughter, and Beau Biden. Jill talked about it. I think Kamala talked about it. Other people have talked about it. You know Joe Biden's going to talk about it. It's There's just something so jarring to me to use these tragic losses for to score political points. Well, he did it when, um, after, when Robert Trump, died instead of saying just mm-hmm. tweeting out like I'm send my condolences he had to include that he too had mm-hmm. lost family and it's kind of like not it's I lost my sister she was younger than me so it wasn't like we're not of the age where 
you you do. I mean, once you get to a certain point in your life, the people you know are going to start dying and your family right. members. And that's horrible. It's a horrible milestone that unfortunately almost everybody has to have in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But I just thought to 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 include it when you were telling Trump that you were sorry his brother passed was just gross. I don't know. Well, and you know this, too. The worst thing you could say to someone who's just lost someone they love, the worst thing you could say is any version of, I know how you feel because I've been through it too. Well, that has, that's not comforting, right? That's just like a selfish, anyway, that's, you're right. He did that in that tweet about the president's brother. We've heard that all week. We're going to hear it up until election day. That does not make Joe Biden qualified to be president because he lost his son who he loved and his first. It's a, so Jill Biden was talking about that, too. Um, and my thing is for Jill Biden, as these even conservatives were saying, we all, you know, politics aside, she seems like a great person. Are you really a great person and wife when you allow your husband who's obviously suffering from some kind of severe mental issue do you allow do you stand by his side and continue to promote this no yeah no I agree with you in fact I if if the stakes weren't so serious I would actually feel really bad for Joe Biden because he actually is a fantastic retail politician and I think that when people used to think about politics 20 or 30 years ago, they thought about people like Joe Biden, who was very personable with people on the other side of the aisle. He was always making deals. He knew he knew all of the different senators. He knew their family. You know, I, I think most of America doesn't know how vicious and isolating the political landscape is today here in DC. They're bipartisan. They're not really friends with people on the other side of the aisle. They're not like, let's do an all nighter and come to an agreement. Like in the movies, you know, we're going to work through this. We'll find a solution together. You know, Mm -hmm. one on the right and one on the left. They don't do that. Right. I mean, you can just see that in the house of representatives where they're going to just vote through whatever the hell they want. It's never going to get taken up by the Senate. They never talk to people in the Senate and say, Hey, let's, we need, we have a problem. Let's figure out a solution where we get some of what we want. You get some of what you want, but nobody gets everything they want. And then we can do that. That doesn't happen. But I think Biden back in the day, he was like that. People did like him on the other side and he did make deals with people, which is really how politics is supposed to work. Now, I just think he has no idea what's what's really going on. He's I think he's being exploited. I think it's elder abuse, to be honest with you. He does not. It's actually kind of sad. If the stakes weren't so high, I would feel worse for him because I do think that he is being exploited. I do think that he is. And that's why I don't think that Jill Biden deserves any accolades. She is part and parcel to this. I'm sure she has her own ambitions. You know, being first lady is a pretty good gig, as Michelle Obama is finding out. Um, And so and then there was this weird thing after her speech. He walked in like and she was supposed to be surprised. And then they had this like phony celebration where they actually played the song celebration in the back, but it was a virtual screen. And he's looking around like, what oh my is, gosh. where so am I, what's happening? And then she gave him a hug and it like her hand Ugh. got caught in his face mask. It was just, 
so cringy. And you're right. You know, in any other era, you would feel sympathy for him. You would, you know, what? but he is part of this. His family is promoting this. What's funny is watching Barack Obama last night. This is a guy who convinced Joe Biden not to run in 2016, certainly did not really want him to run this time around. Um, and now there's articles coming out really detailing how he talked him out of running in 2016 and, you know, was kind of a latecomer endorsing him in 2020. That Politico article was pretty, pretty devastating. I think um, so, too. Right. You know, of course, I think that they just got it out there because they had to check off the box. You know, there's no second, third, fourth day follow ups, you know, or no, right. no inquiries into the Obama press operation saying, hey, did you really, you know, you know, kind of cock block Biden and give it to Hillary before he could even get involved just to stop it um, and to stop Biden from running in 2016? You know, there's it's just out there. I mean, it's very I think I thought the article is pretty damning, but it was it's also just something that they had to do to do it. And now it's over. It's old news. Nobody's it's not in the headlines anymore. Um, so. So tonight we have Joe Biden. Um, we'll see what he has to say. This should be interesting. And then, of course, the next week is Republicans. And then the big hubbub after that will be whether how the debates will come together, if at all. Do you think Biden is going to do it live? Like, do you think it's going to be live? I think he has to. No, but does he? How? Like, here's the thing. How would you know? How would you know if he's just going to it's not like he's going to interact with people or he's going to yeah. take questions or prove that it's live or something like you. There's no I You have no idea if it if it's really live. And I, I feel like if it isn't, they've probably done 600 takes of it. Well, Liz, you can even see in these prefab uh, interview things that they tweet out. He can't even do a straight 30 or 45 second video without doing like some fade out and fade back in. They have to chop it up. <laughs> it's so obvious that they Joe, have come to- back. Joe, come back. Where are you, Joe? Come back. Well, back, they, back, back. <laughs> they cut him. They do this quick fade out and back in like to chop up whatever when he starts riffing on corn pop or whatever, when he's supposed to be talking <laughs> about healthcare policy. So they have to edit the, so typically, what's a what is a keynote? What is an acceptance speech? 30, 40 minutes usually, where you lay out everything, your agenda, your view, you know, your ideas for the future. How is he going to talk for 30 or 40 minutes when he can't even talk for 30 or 40 seconds without some kind of a gaffe? Well, in addition to that, one of the things I'm sure you noticed about this the coverage that you've, you know, the the DNC that you've watched is that I didn't really hear a lot of proactive like policy statements. I just heard a lot of things that about why Trump is bad. Mm-hmm. So I didn't hear anybody give me a reason to vote for the Democrats and tell me what I'm voting for other. I guess Beto's going to take my guns. I did learn that yesterday. Mm-hmm. But, you know, is Biden going to lay out a, a policy plan or is he just going to talk about puppies and rainbows and and you know vanilla cake and ice cream and you are we going to get anything solid 
from him that sounds like he has a command of the policy issues in front of the country? Or is it just going to be more, you know, sunshine up our ass? What if he starts talking about um, like why we need to go to war in Iraq because oh, there are God. weapons of mass destruction? Like that'd what be, if he what if he's transported back to like 1991? And well, didn't he say in 1991, didn't he say that he didn't want gays in the military because he thought they could be blackmailed? Like, I mean, this guy's got a he, oh, that's, yeah. that's the problem with somebody who's as old as Biden that has been in politics as long as Biden is. He has a hell of a record. And, you know, our cultural norms have changed so much in the last 20 or 30 years that, you know, um, that I think Trump is like the first president who came into office supporting gay marriage. Every single other president, including Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, well, she wasn't president, but or Bill Clinton, they all, you know, they opposed gay marriage and supported Defense of Marriage Act. So. And that's just in 20 years. So Biden's got a lot of unsavory political positions he has to defend. What if he were just to have like a flashback or like a fugue or whatever it's called when you just like your mental, your mental like transport to another time. And just, <laughs> right. And just starts riffing. Right. That, um, well, that's why it's going to be a must watch. Well, by the time this podcast is up. It will be over, but um, we will be watching. I will be anyway. Um, so let's pivot to our favorite yes. conventioneer who spoke this week, former Deputy Attorney General Sally Q. Yates. I'm so glad you said the Q. I was gonna. I was standing ready to correct you. Speaking be- of Q. To correct you. <gasps> oh, Julie. She is cute. She's cute. <laughs> we need, honestly. Breaking news here not? at happy hour. Oh, my gosh. You heard it here first. Spread it around. <laughs> Sally Q. Yates is QAnon. <laughs> you knew it. You knew oh, it. now it makes sense. <laughs> it's all coming together. Um, so Sally Q. Yates, um, who should be in jail in a just world, she would be doing time for, um, lying to a federal, a secret court and not doing it once, but twice. So, but unfortunately she's not in jail. She is a heroine of the resistance and she gave her a little speech on Monday night, Tuesday night. I think it, it was, who knows, it blurred. Tuesday. It was Tuesday Julie, night. Julie, I don't know nothing about any lies in the FISA warrant. I do. I would never sign something I knew was false. That's my Sally Yates impression. I love it. It's so spot on. You just need like a super long neck when you do it. Yeah. Okay. So are we ready? Let's share yep. Sally yep. Q. Yates in all her glory. Good evening. I'm Sally Yates. Speaking at a political convention is something I never expected to be doing. But the future of our democracy is at stake. I'm here in my hometown of Atlanta, where as a young lawyer, I joined our nation's Justice Department. For nearly 30 years, through Democratic and Republican administrations, I worked alongside my DOJ colleagues to advance our nation's promise of equal justice. I served as Deputy Attorney General in the Obama-Biden administration and stayed on as Acting Attorney General for the Trump transition. 
Then, 10 days in, I was fired for refusing to defend President Trump's shameful and unlawful Muslim travel ban. That was the start of his relentless attacks on our democratic institutions and countless dedicated public servants. Like me, these officials didn't swear an oath to a person or a party. Public servants promised to defend our Constitution, uphold our laws, and work on behalf of the American people. But from the moment President Trump took office, he's used his position to benefit himself rather than our country. He's trampled the rule of law, trying to weaponize our Justice Department to attack his enemies and protect his friends. Rather than standing up to Vladimir Putin, he fawns over a dictator who is still trying to interfere in our elections. He's even trying to sabotage our postal service to keep people from being able to vote. His constant attacks on the FBI, the free press, inspectors general, federal judges, they all have one purpose, to remove any check on his abuse of power. Put simply, he treats our country like it's his family business this time bankrupting our nation's moral authority at home and abroad. But our country doesn't belong to him. It belongs to all of us. Oh, God. Yeah. She's a piece of work. Well, it, you know, first of all, she's a postal truther. So we know that, you know, she's bought into the conspiracy theory that Trump is manipulating the U.S. Postal Service to gain an electoral advantage. But as you listen to Miss Sally Q. Yates, it's important to remember that she is literally a co-conspirator in a coup to overthrow the president of the United States of America. So that's right. You said it exactly right. She's talking about Donald Trump's illegal Muslim ban that wasn't illegal because the Supreme Court said it wasn't. So, I mean, Sally Q. Yates must may think so. But again, you know, she's supposed to be a disinterested public servant and not have a partisan agenda, which she obviously does have. But she does belong in jail. She's a liar. And she was very much involved in the coup. And one one way you can tell that is if we go back to January 5th, I think, was the day of the, the meeting, mm-hmm. the yes. big meeting. And the people in the meeting was were Holy James Comey, okay, Basement Joe, Brock, by uh, the book, by the by book, the book by the book, by the book, um, Susan Rice, Susan Rice, and Sally Yates. Mm-hmm. Now, why was Sally Yates there, but not Loretta Lynch? Loretta Lynch was the Attorney General. Sally Yates was the Deputy Attorney General. Why wasn't the Attorney General there? I mean, if if it was the meeting was important enough to have the director of the FBI and the vice president in there, but not Loretta Lynch, Sally Yates was there. And it wasn't just because she was just like, oh, Loretta Lynch is home with the flu. Okay. There was a reason she was there. Okay. Go ahead, Julie. Yes. So the reason Loretta Lynch actually is one of the smart people in this whole scandal because she was smart enough not to sign those FISA warrants. Sally Yates signed the initial warrant 
October 2016, and then the renewal in January of 2017. Um, and as you mentioned, she was in this Oval, op- Oval Office meeting with Obama, Biden, Rice, uh, Comey. I think Clapper was there, too, for a while. People were kind of going in and out. But that's the meeting where they discussed the Logan Act setup of Mike Flynn, which was the next chapter in the Obama White House targeting of Mike Flynn, who worked for Jim Clapper, left in 2014, became a Trump supporter, and on Barack, towards the top of Barack Obama's enemy list, which is not a place anyone wants to be. Um, but let's, Sally Yates, for her lofty, phony rhetoric, in that in the FISA applications called Carter Page a foreign agent of Russia. That's no, it's like she, the first sentence of the FISA, isn't it? That's right. The yes. first sentence is that Carter Page is a foreign agent of Russia. And twice. she said that not once. Twice. She said it twice. And she said it to a secret court made up of judges appointed by the Supreme Court that um, – Chief Sup- Justice of Chief, the Supreme thank Court. Thank you. Chief Justice. Okay, this is not some schmucky little, this is like a legit serious court. It's not like Judge Walker or whatever. It's like legit. Judge Judy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well said. Thank you for that comparison. So she called Carter Page a foreign agent. She used the dossier, which everyone knew at the time was political propaganda paid for by the Democrats. Everyone knew who Christopher Steele was. He worked in the State Department for a long time with the State Department for a long time with the FBI. But apparently Sally Yates doesn't know who Christopher Steele is either. She didn't even really know who Bruce Orr was, who worked like directly under her. Wait, who was it that asked her? Oh, he was your deputy She's like, Bruce, does he still work in here at the DOJ? She's still working? I don't know him. (laughs) Whoever asked the question, I think it was Jim Jordan. Oh, Josh Hawley. He's like, no, he's your deputy. He's your deputy. You didn't know Bruce Orr. Bruce Orr is like running some, they want us to think Bruce Orr is running some entire shadow operation off the books. Like involving international spies and stuff. That's basically what they're asking us to believe. I didn't know Bruce Orr was meeting at the Mayflower Hotel with any spies. I did not know that. Uh I didn't know his wife worked for Glenn Simpson. What? She did? Nelly Orr worked for Glenn Simpson? Oh, but still my heart. Ugh. This woman is the gall of them bringing her out. I mean, that was just like a shove it in your face. Well, it really was. And um, before we move on to another traitor, <laughs> but she also went to Don McGahn, White House counsel at the end of January to perpetuate the Logan Act violation and told Don McGahn that Mike Flynn was compromised and subjected, could be subjected to Russian blackmail based on his conversation with Sergey Kislyak. She is not, she's not a decent person. She has no integrity. She's not particularly bright either, which is why I think the Obama people used her in all of this because they knew she wasn't going to ask any questions. She would just go along with whatever they told her to do. Um, so yes, it's a slap in the face that Sally Yates is still a free person and now speaking at the DNC and could be a legitimate candidate for attorney general if Joe Biden manages to win, which is frightening. Well, she'll have to beat out Keith Ellison, who I I think might be more 
Wow. At, at the, higher on the list, but I don't know. So, but there was a little tiny bit of good news, which is uh, Kevin Kleinsmith, the FBI attorney who doctored the email related to the Carter Page FISA, uh, was pleaded guilty yesterday in court to one charge of, I'm going to pull this up, one charge of fabricating evidence is the, here it is, making a false statement. He could have been charged with a lot more, but I guess this is. I wonder as good what as we're do you think get. he made a deal? Why wasn't he like unless he sang like a bird? I why wasn't James Wolf, who was the security chief for well, the Senate intelligence? Because, because why James, are they getting away with all of this? Well, James Wolf um, got away with lo- just lying to the FBI instead of um, leaking classified documents That's right. of the highest order was because he had the goods on the sissy, the Senate, the select Senate committee on intelligence. Um, so he was going to drag in the like Burr, who is the chairman and Warner, who is the chairman really. Um, and all the other staffers. So that was the, that was his threat. And so they were like, okay, we're going to just give you a slap on the wrist because we don't want to take down the entire you know, a bunch of senators and staffers who are secret really working for the intelligence agencies and not the executive branch. I mean, not the legislative branch, but I take your point. I do not know why Kevin Kleinsmith wasn't given a harsher, wasn't charged with more. I ha- I'm hoping it's because he turned, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, the good thing is that when Bill Barr tipped everyone off late last week that this was coming, which we found out about the indictment on Friday. He said it wasn't earth shattering news. So obviously he knows that for people like us and the millions of Americans who are waiting desperately, impatiently waiting for some action out of John Durham, that this was a crumb. It is a crumb. Um, A lot of people are not happy with it or the fact that he might only go to jail for six months. I bet it will be 30 days by the time it's all over. Um, I forgot what James Wolf. I think he went to prison for 60 days. Um, so uh, I figure Klein Smith's sentence will, I think he's going to be sentenced in a month or so. We'll be somewhere around that. But um, I guess it can be deemed as progress. And then there were reports that Durham interviewed John Brennan maybe this week or last week, which I thought that happened months ago. The clock is winding they finally down. Got, they finally got around to talking to that dude, Brennan. He should have been the first call. <laughs> right. I mean, I know people are saying, well, they're trying to build a case, get all the documents, get all the information before they have Brennan in. Okay, that's fine. This email we found out about in December, we assume in the Horowitz report, we assume that people knew about it before Horowitz knew about it, which could have been as you know late as a year ago. But whatever, this is at least one charge, which is one charge more than the Russian collusion investigations have. Um, so I, I'm, in terms of legit collusion. So Sally Yates' legacy lives on. I, I wonder if she's been uh, interviewed. One would hope that she has been and certainly would be on a target list for Durham as well. Um, so that's one bit of news. So. We're running out of time here because if Trump doesn't win re-election, this is all going to go away. 
which is why they're so desperate to make sure that Trump is out because they do not want this Durham investigation or the other investigations. Now, remember, and I reported on this last week, um, there are still two U.S. attorneys tasked with investigating all matters related to Ukraine. So this is both Ukraine uh, election interference in 2016 and, of course, Hunter Biden's gig with Burisma and some of the Biden family's other involvement with Ukrainians. So those investigations are going on uh, as well. Yeah, um, right. I mean, I'm just like, uh huh. <laughs> sure. You sound so cynical. I'm like, sure they are, Julie. Sure they are. <laughs> well, I am predicting a real barn burner tonight um, with the DNC. Julie, do you, have, do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners? I will. They will have already. Listen, so I will say any predictions that will be proven right tomorrow morning when we put our podcast up. I mean, I think the bar is so low for Joe Biden. I'm sure that the Democrats right now are just on pins and needles wondering how this is going to shake out, how his speech will. If he manages to get through it without any major gaffes or rifts, um, it will be deemed a success. And then, you know, obviously next week we have the Republican convention um, and so we'll see what happens with that. But, um, oh, real quick, too, there is a counter Republican convention. Our favorite never Trumpers are at it again. And guess who one of their speakers is at their alternative convention next is week? Is it Ben Sass? He probably will make an appearance. Is it Mitt Romney? You know, Ben Sass is going to come out with a statement, some kind of snarky so. statement. Um, Jim Comey is at the principal's oh, first conference led by Heath Mayo and all those losers. Didn't so they just, they're having their conference right now. Why are they have, you know, like, isn't it their conference right now? So well, why are they going to pretty have much right? Pretty much. I mean, we had Cindy McCain show up this week too. So oh, and like powerhouses like Meg Whitman and um, of course, John Kasich. And of course the war, our favorite war hero, Colin Powell. And Su Susan Molinari, remember her? I do. She was a vice president at Google and also current member of the Atlanta Council. It's funny she, she just showed up at the DNC. Sure is. Shocker. Shocker. So, all right. Well, I will predict that Joe Biden is not going to be live. So I think he will have a smooth performance. It's way too risky for them to put a live mic in front of him. There's just no way, Julie, there's literally no way they're going to let him go live. So Biden will be fine because he's probably take done. He's probably still doing takes right now to make sure it's perfect and it's going to be edited. And we should start a rumor that it's like a deep fake and it's not even Joe Biden. <laughs> that it's just like the mouth is moving, you know, like it's like a still, but the mouth only the mouth is moving. Um, Yeah. Like, yeah. Clutch so, cargo. We're in for a fun, a fun week. So thank you for joining us. We will see you next Friday. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.